0: Welcome back to the Leadership Cheat Code, where we unlock the cheat code to effective leadership. My name is Brian Vaughn. Today, I'll be discussing five powerful strategies that leaders can use to address team conflict. As a leader, it is crucial to understand the importance of resolving conflicts within your team promptly, critically important. By doing so, You'll foster a positive work environment and enhance productivity. So let's dive into our first strategy. Strategy number one. Now, if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes previously, you will hear me talk about this probably the most, which is active listening. One of the most critical skills a leader can possess when addressing team conflict is active listening. It involves fully engaging with your team members understanding their perspectives and acknowledging their emotions. So here are five practical tips to effectively practice active listening as a strategy for addressing team conflict. Number one is to give your full attention. When a team member approaches you with a conflict or concern, set aside any distractions and focus solely on the conversation. Put away your phones, put away your tablets, close out your email, shut your computer down, take your phone off the hook, or if you're using an old type of telephone, Anything that could cause a distraction, put it away. Make sure you maintain eye contact and avoid interrupting while they're speaking. By showing that you have a genuine interest and that you're being attentive, you are creating a safe space for open communication. Number two is to use reflective listening. After your team member has expressed their perspective, paraphrase what they said to ensure that you have understood them correctly. This technique not only demonstrates that you are actively listening, but also helps clarify any misunderstandings. So for an example, you could say, if I understood you correctly, you're feeling frustrated because. It's a way for you to reflect what they've said in your own words, but to use a reflective statement to indicate that you were fully listening and to ascertain if you fully understood. Key concept, I'll I'll talk about it a lot. Habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. This is part of that process. Number three is to validate emotions. Team conflicts often evoke strong emotions. And as a leader, it is essential to acknowledge and validate these emotions, even if you don't necessarily agree with their point of view. You don't have to, but you're validating that their emotions, because for them, their emotions are real. It is what they are experiencing. So validate that they're feeling frustrated, angry, concerned, distraught, stressed, whatever those feelings are, sad. Make sure that you validate the emotion. You don't have to agree with their point of view, but validate their emotion. Recognize their feelings without judgment. You can say things like, I understand why you might feel this way. Right? You're not agreeing with them. You're validating the emotion. Number four is to ask open-ended questions. Encourage team members to share more about their experiences and perspectives by asking open-ended questions. These questions invite more detailed responses and show that you are genuinely interested in understanding their viewpoint. So for instance, you could ask, what led you to see the situation from this angle? But make sure that you are asking open-ended questions after they have fully explained their position, their perspective, their viewpoint, right? Don't come straight off asking open-ended questions, but make sure that you have reflected first. And if you need clarity, and wanna dig a little deeper, then ask open-ended questions, but not while they are explaining their story. Allow them to explain their story, and then you listen, and then you can ask those questions to dig a little bit deeper. And then lastly is your ability as a leader to practice empathy. Put yourself in your team member's shoes and try to understand the situation from their perspective. Empathy allows you to connect emotionally with others and fosters a sense of trust. Consider how you would feel in this particular situation and use that understanding to respond with compassion and support. The next strategy is mediation. If situations where conflict arise between two or more of your team members, mediation can be a powerful strategy. Acting as a neutral party, you as a leader can facilitate open communication and guidelines that guide the conflict towards a particular resolution. So here are five practical tips for effective mediation and conflict resolution. Number one, and I will always say this is something that needs to take place, even if there is no conflict, you as a leader need to establish ground rules for how your team will work together, respond together when there is conflict in the future. So before this type of process can start, any type of mediation can start, you need to set clear ground rules for the discussion. Encourage participants to remain respectful, avoid interrupting each other, and focus on understanding the underlying issues rather than pointing fingers or blaming each other. Having established guidelines and ground rules helps create a safe and constructive environment for resolving conflicts. Number two is to encourage empathy and perspective taking. Mediation is not about picking sides, but it is about understanding each person's perspective. Encourage participants to put themselves in the other person's shoes and to see the situation from their viewpoint. This empathy-building exercise can help foster understanding and open the door to compromise. Number three is to identify common goals. During the mediation process, try to identify common goals or interests between the conflicting parties. Often, there are shared objectives the parties want to achieve even if they have different ways of reaching them. Focus on common ground, which can lead to win-win solutions. You want those types of solutions, win-win solutions, right? One of the things that you can have them do is to create win-win agreements with one another. Have them really practice this type of empathy and perspective taking by creating win-win agreements with one another. That way they know the parameters of how each person is gonna operate in order to achieve a win-win outcome. All right, tip number four is to brainstorm creative solutions. Encourage parties involved to think creatively and collaboratively to find solutions that satisfy the interests of all people that are involved in this conflict. Explore various options and alternatives beyond the obvious ones. Sometimes innovative ideas can arise from this particular process, leading to more satisfactory resolutions. And number five is to document agreed solutions. So when arriving at an agreement, Document it in writing and have all parties involved sign it as a commitment to follow through. This could be that win-win agreement that I just talked about. Have them write out what will be wins for party A and wins for party B, and then what the ultimate solution is going to be, and then have them both sign and say, hey, this is what we agree to. Because this written record serves as a reference point and it can prevent misunderstandings later on. Additionally, it reinforces the sense of accountability for all parties to adhere to the agreed upon solution. And strategy number three is to use emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence plays a pivotal role in addressing team conflict effectively. Leaders who understand and manage their emotions and also helps their team to manage their emotions can navigate conflicts with empathy and sensitivity. So here are five practical tips for leveraging emotional intelligence to address team conflicts effectively. Tip number one is to recognize and manage your emotions. Start by becoming more aware of your emotions, your triggers during conflict situations. Understand that emotions are natural. We all have them, but they can sometimes cloud our judgment, our thinking, our perspectives. So take a moment to step back and to reflect on your feelings before you respond. Teach your team members to do this. Practice self-regulation because this can prevent impulsive reactions that may escalate the conflict further. We know how we are as people. We get into conflict. Somebody says something that we don't like, we take it to another level. We escalate it. That's because we lack, in those situations, emotional intelligence. We're off the charts with our reactivity in those situations, right? So teach your team members how to respond proactively, to calm themselves, and to practice emotional intelligence. Tip number two is to encourage open expression of emotions. Create a safe space where team members can express their emotions and concerns without fear of judgment. Emphasize the importance of open communication and let your team know that their emotions are valid and will be acknowledged. By allowing emotions to be expressed, you can uncover underlying issues that contribute to the conflict. And tip number three is to practice empathy. Empathy is powerful. I think we know this. It is a very powerful tool in resolving conflicts. Put yourself in the shoes of your teammates and try to understand their perspectives, their feelings, their motivations. When you demonstrate empathy, you create an atmosphere of understanding which can diffuse the tension between, whether it's between you and your team, or whether it's between members of the team. It can diffuse these types of tense situations and it can foster a sense of connection among the team members. And number four, which is one of my favorite tactics, strategies, tips to use, is the use of I statements. A lot of people don't use I statements because we have been conditioned to utilize you statements. So when you are addressing conflict, encourage individuals to use I statements instead of you statements. So for an example, instead of saying, you never listen to my ideas, how does that make a person feel when you when someone says that? You never listen to my ideas. You, it's like accusatory, right? It's like you're under the lights. you are being interrogated. You never listen to my ideas. You could say, I feel unheard when my ideas are not considered. This is completely different, right? I statements focus on personal feelings rather than placing blame, and it helps to reduce defensiveness and promotes constructive dialogue. You statements is not the way to go. I statements is what you want to practice. I feel instead of you make me feel, right? That is blame oriented. Practice I statements, right? Learn all about I statements. Go back, Google I statements. And seven habits of highly effective people. They talk specifically, of course, I'm going to mention it, in habit five, how to use I statements versus you statements. So learn all about it and then implement that in your teams and teach your team members how to use that particular strategy when there's conflict. And number five is to implement emotional check-ins. Regularly conduct emotional check-ins with your team to gauge how they're feeling and to address any potential conflicts early on. These check-ins can be one-on-one or they can be in a group setting. Create an open and non-judgmental environment. Ask team members to share how they're doing emotionally. By proactively addressing emotions, you can prevent conflicts from escalating or identify areas where support is needed. Strategy number four is all about conflict resolution techniques. Conflict resolution techniques provide leaders with practical approaches to resolving team conflicts. It is an essential skill for you as a leader to foster a harmonious and productive team environment. So here are five unique and practical tips for conflict resolution. Tip number one is for you as a leader to foster a collaborative environment. Encourage a culture of collaboration where team members feel comfortable sharing their concerns and their opinions. When conflicts arise, emphasize the importance of resolving them together rather than assigning blame or pointing fingers at someone. Promote open communication and create opportunities for team members to work together on common goals. Number two is to implement the win-win approach. Instead of adopting a competitive mindset where one party wins and the other party loses, right? That is win-lose, right? If you go back and you think about the different types of ways that we interact with people. Stephen Covey calls them the six paradigms of human interaction. And so we have things like win-win, which is the ultimate. Well, And then we have win-lose, lose-lose, lose-win, right? There's so many of these uh, paradigms of human interaction, but we all have one of these. We all have one of these paradigms when we are interacting with someone when it comes to conflict. You as a leader, your ability, With your team, when there is conflict, you are aiming for win-win solutions. This is the approach when you're seeking to find solutions that is going to benefit all parties involved. So encourage your team to take on brainstorming and to create problem-solving tactics to identify areas where they could resolve these conflicts effectively. Number three, something I just mentioned, but I want to make sure I mention it again because it is critically important. I talked about I statements versus you statements. I won't spend so much time on it this time, but I just want to reiterate that when conflicts do arise, you want to make sure that you are using I statements versus you statements. You statements, once again, feels very accusatory, feels like you're pointing fingers at people and you Don't want that to happen because it can escalate to conflict. And your job as a leader is to de-escalate conflict, not to escalate conflict. And tip number four is to apply the grace method, to extend grace to one another, to extend grace, I'll say it again, to one another. We don't practice that enough, the extension of grace to each other. We always have something that we want to gain out of something, out of this interaction. Grace shows that you care for someone. That is what grace is. Grace, let me let me break it down for you really quick. Grace stands for gather, respect, analyze, choose, and execute. It is about extending grace to one another, but there's a process of how you do that in a conflicting situation. So here it is. take notes. go back, get a pen and paper or however you want to take notes. A is gather. Bring all parties involved in the conflict together to discuss the issue. B is for respect. Well, R is for respect, but B is respect. Encourage each person to share their viewpoint without interruptions or judgment. C is analyze. Identify the root causes of the conflict and explore potential solutions together. Then you move to D, which is to choose, which is this is allowing you to evaluate the proposed solutions and to select the one that best addresses the issue. And then you can move to E, which is to execute, which is to implement the chosen solution and monitor its effectiveness. That is crucial. Even though you're going through this process, you want to make sure that if you're implementing a conflict resolution solution, hmm, say it like that, conflict resolution solution that you are monitoring whether it is effective or not. You won't really know until it is implemented. And then once it's implemented, you have to monitor it. And once you monitor it, you can then determine if it was truly effective. And if it wasn't, then you got to go back with your team, with whoever the conflict was between, reevaluate and then re-implement. Come up with some new solutions, new brainstorming, new creativity, come up with different solutions and re-implement. And now you got to go back and re-monitor again. Right? It's part of the process. If you want to handle conflict effectively, this is a process to help you do that. And tip number five is to mediate with neutral third parties. So in complex conflict, consider involving a neutral third party mediator. This individual can act as a facilitator, guiding the discussion and ensuring that both parties have an opportunity to voice their concerns. A a mediator can help maintain objectivity and work towards finding a resolution that satisfies all parties. Okay, let's go to strategy number five, our last strategy, which is to implement team building activities. These types of activities can play a significant role in addressing team conflicts and strengthening relationships. So here are five practical tips for utilizing team building activities to address conflicts and to strengthen those relationships within your team. Tip number one is to implement outdoor adventure challenges. Organize these types of outdoor adventures that require team members to collaborate and face challenges together. Activities like rope courses or hiking or scavenger hunt can promote trust, communication, and problem-solving skills. It's putting them in situations where they're going to face obstacles as a team. And these individuals, your team members, are going to have to learn how to rely on each other's strengths and to build camaraderie with each other. And tip number two is something that I'm building upon, which I just mentioned in, in tip number one, which are escape room challenges. And escape rooms can provide a fun and immersive environment where these team members, they have to work together to solve certain types of problems, puzzles, so that they can escape the room within a certain time limit. Just as with tip number one, these activities encourage teamwork and critical thinking and effective communication as participants pull their ideas and resources to achieve a common goal. I mean, they got to get out of the room within two hours. So they're going to experience a lot of issues and conflicts and problems This is a great way for tip number one and tip number two that allows them to really go through that type of activity together and and to watch what they do. You as a leader, don't don't be in that room with them. Don't take part in the escape room with them, but monitor what happens. Sit back and see, and then that can allow you to see and identify areas where you may want to address certain type of conflict within your team. And number three, which is one of my all-time favorites, I do this very often. I'm asked to facilitate these types of things often, which are personality assessments and they work great. So your ability to do something like a Myers-Briggs, which I am a Myers-Briggs certified facilitator. You can do MBTI or you can do DISC, either one. They both work well for what you want to, uh, what you want to achieve. Um, but the overall intention is, is that they go through this process. The members can take the assessment They can get their results. They can read them. And through this type of session, you as a leader, or you can bring in a facilitator who has an expertise in this area. They can go through their results, share their results with their teams and discuss how their personality traits impact their work style and interactions. Understanding individual differences can foster empathy and appreciation for each other's unique contributions. These are great to do. One of the things that I like to do in relationship with MBTI, and it's something that you can do as well, is through a company called Human Synergistics. They have tons of these type of activities like desert survival, survival in the wilderness, survival in Antarctica, survival in you name any type of situation. And it puts your team in a situation where they have to make decisions individually and then decisions together. But what is critically important through this process is where they are making those decisions together and you can start to see areas of conflict immediately within that environment, within that activity. Uh, So if you're interested, this is not a human synergistics promotion, but you could reach out to human synergistics and learn more about those type of interactive courses that they have and implement those within your team. All right. Number four is to uh, have volunteer projects. So engage the team in volunteering activities for a cause they care about. Working together for this particular cause helps them to create a sense of unity and purpose among the team members. Additionally, it provides an opportunity to see each other in a different context, which can lead to deeper connections and increased mutual respect. And number five, tip five, is to have lunch and learn sessions. Organize informal lunch and learn sessions where team members take turns sharing their hobbies, their skills, or their interests with the group. It can be anything from cooking, a special dish, to playing a musical instrument, because this fosters a relaxed atmosphere where team members bond over shared interests outside of work, leading to stronger relationships within the team. I'm telling you, that is something that is crucial to implement. The stronger your team work together, the stronger the bond within that team, the stronger the unity, the camaraderie, the more effectively they'll be able to handle conflicts together. When teams don't really know each other, they're jockeying for positions. People are trying to become the leader of the group, right? We've seen situations when you think of team dynamics, there's a certain person or persons who are moving up within the team that team members see as the go-to person and, and they start to rely on that person as a de facto leader, right? We've all seen that within our work environments. But the stronger the team, the stronger the camaraderie, the stronger the unity, the less conflict you will have you'll start to see that they'll be able to handle conflicts themselves without any type of mediation or input from you as a leader, which is something that is super critical. I didn't really get into it in this particular episode. One of the biggest tips, maybe I'll go back and do another segment specific to this tip, is your ability as a leader to help your team define conflict and how they navigate conflict, how the team, historically, has dealt with conflict in the past? If you have a high-performing team, right? I'm going to get, see, I'm getting into it. If you have a high-performing team, how have they handled conflict in the past? Where are they in their, in the stages of team development? Right, I can go into a whole thing about that. Maybe, I mean, you know what? I'm not even going to give you the rest of it. I'm just going to do a whole part two to this whole thing. And that way, you have something else to come back and look forward to which is part two to team conflict. So I'll talk about how to do that a little bit later because there are some other things that I want to give you that relate to team dynamics, stages of team development, and how conflict plays a huge role into that. So there you have it, right? I'll stop there. I'll talk about these five powerful strategies that i just given you to address team conflict. Remember, those things are active listening, mediation, emotional intelligence, and conflict resolution techniques, and team building activities. These are all valuable tools in your leadership toolkit. By implementing these strategies effectively, you can navigate conflicts, foster collaboration, and create a harmonious work environment for your team. Now, if you found these strategies helpful, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more leadership tips and insight. Always, I appreciate your support. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, to unlock your leadership effectiveness, you must master the cheat code. See you next time.